Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is uh, Thursday, November the 2nd, 2023. As October has become November, nothing much has changed uh, on the headlines. Uh, headlines are being led, as in October, by what's happening in Israel, Gaza, the Middle East. Uh, headlines on the BBC, about 9,000 killed in Gaza since the 7th of October, according to the Hamas-run health ministry. And according to the uh, Guardian, that number has climbed to over 9,000, including almost 4,000 children. Meanwhile, uh, there's also violence on the West Bank. The New York Times, which is a, about as reliable, I guess, you can get for media as you can get these days, is suggesting that uh, there's a campaign of extremist violence pushing the West Bank to the brink with the settlers now attacking uh, local Palestinians. The real question for me in many ways is, has anything changed, not in a month, but in 10 or 20 or even 50 years? It seems as if what's happening, this mutual cycle of violence is simply repeating everything that's happened in the region. One man who's been an observer of what's happening in the region uh, is my guest today, Pierre Rehov, uh, is a longtime filmmaker and writer. Um, he's talking to us from Ashdod, uh, 10 miles north of Gaza. And he uh, has an interesting take. I'm not sure I entirely agree with everything he says, uh, but we will see. Uh, Pierre, is anything different about what's happened uh, in the last month uh, in Gaza uh, and uh, in Israel? Or is it simply a scaled-up version of the narrative that's been taking place for 50 well, years. I, I, I don't know where, I mean, how you, what kind of news you've, you've seen recently, but in case you're, uh, the people who are listening to you show do not know, on October 7, the Hamas and the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, that are, uh, which are two terror organizations and beyond terror organizations, uh, invaded uh, around Gaza, all the kibbutz that are around Gaza. And the kibbutz, in case you don't know, it's kind of a village, a social village where people, you know, cultivate the ground and, uh, and uh, eventually they have cows and all that. And they are usually, you know, people uh, who are very peaceful and most of them were actually... No, no, I, I understand. I mean, that no, no one's questioning okay, so that. Let me go straight to the point then. They invaded this place. They killed 1,400 people. They didn't kill them. They tortured them. They raped the women. They opened the bellies of pregnant women. They burned alive babies. They burned alive children. They tortured. They did the most horrific thing that has ever happened within the Western world since the Holocaust. So this is as simple as that. So yeah, there has been a few wars, uh, a few conflicts involving uh, the terror organizations and Israel. And this one has nothing to do with anything we've seen before, because what happened has nothing to do with anything we've seen before. So it's as simple as that. When people come to your home, slaughter uh, your neighbors, kill you, rape your wife, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Just hang, just hang the, the other cheek and wait for an answer for the rest of the world. This time, this is it. Hamas is going to stop existing. 
also Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and most of Gaza is going to be, you know, uh, in a situation where we are today for the very reason that they elected Hamas, they don't come in power by accident, and this is a war against kind of Nazism, and, you know, in order to destroy Nazism, you have to bomb Berlin. So right now, Israel is bombing Gaza, which is another Berlin. You wrote an interesting thing back in 2014 um, on what you called the terrorist reality show, and you asked who has the more romantic story. The reason I asked that question is, I mean, clearly, uh, I'm not doubting everything you're saying, but clearly the goal of Hamas was to incite the Israelis into responding with increased violence. So. Are we still living in what you call this terrorist reality show where everything is deemed propaganda, everything is what you call a prime time show? As far as the conflict between Israel and the Arabs, yes, it is. Now, there are some nuances. For instance, when Al-Qaeda attacked the World Trade Center, it's also a kind of reality show in the sense that Al-Qaeda wanted to change the mentality and the uh, overall feeling of Muslims around the planet. And, you know, Muslims are, by definition, like everybody else, normally peaceful people. But it's a population around the planet of 1.5, 1.6 billion. So Bin Laden, by proving that what is written in the Muslim text, in the Muslim, uh, you know, religion, which is that one day Islam will just conquer the, the rest of the planet. This is what we believe in. There's only one true religion. So by doing what he did, the main idea beside uh, inflicting a big defeat and a big uh, uh, trauma to America was also to convince the peaceful Muslims, the day has come. This is now. Look what we did. You can join us. And the end result was not the Arab street revolted around the planet. In, in the Palestinian territories, for instance, for instance, they started distributing candies and dancing in the street and, and they are very, very, they were very happy for September 11 because it is really in, within uh, their civilization, within the basis of their civilization, that one day they should prevail, one day they should conquest the world. I'm not saying that every Muslim is like that. I'm not saying that Islam is a bad religion. I'm talking about the basics which lead some people to become so extremist and to have only one goal in life, in the case of Hamas, Islamic Jihad, to defeat Israel. So now back to your uh, essential question, is it still a show? Yes, it is. I'm going to try to explain you why. When you go into Palestinian territories, which I've been doing a lot, and I have friends over there, and I, have, I work with fixers, and because I carry a French passport, I was able to take risks that other people won't be able to take because for the Palestinians, the French are kind of allies and there are a lot of reasons for them to believe it, to believe this. So when you go over there, you're, it's like going in USSR uh, before, you know, before Russia be, be, got rid of communism or it's like being going today in North, in North uh, Korea. You cannot say what you want to say or else you put yourself in danger. Now, this is where things are happening. This is where the news are happening. So you're a journalist, you're a reporter, you have a job, you have to work over there, you go into Palestinian territories, they lie, you know that they lie, but what can you do? You, you need to take their pictures, you need to take uh, what, whatever they have to say, and 
the Palestinians are very good with one thing, which is to have their children killed in purpose, to use that as propaganda. And the journalists around the planet are more than happy to take those pictures. In the meantime, and it's very important for you to understand, in the meantime, Israel and the Jews are very shy about their dead people, very respectful about the dead, and they don't want to show the faces of the dead and they don't want to show their dead people. So this conflict in the news, in the magazines, in the, on television for decades was only dead Palestinians and no, Jew, no Jewish ever died. But what happened today, what happened this time, which is really the key of the whole event, is that Hamas lost a little bit control of what happened during the massacre because not only Hamas was there, but also people from the streets. You had, you had teenagers joining them. We have pictures of that. You have all kinds of civilians, what they call innocent civilians, joining them. And those people didn't exactly respect the orders of Hamas because they were filming themselves while they were massacring. I have videos that I would not show to anybody and, and my wife would faint if you would only see two seconds of it. I have videos of those tortures, tortures of children, children burned alive. So, you know, and those were not necessarily made by Hamas. And the fact that they were so proud of it, so proud of it, and they posted that on their social network, changed a little bit the perception of the conflict. This is the situation in which, in which Israel and Hamas are now. Israel is capable of, for once, to prove that they can also be the victims of something absolutely abominable as Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad. We are speaking with Pierre Rehov, a filmmaker and writer based in Israel. Uh, Pierre, how surprised were you with what happened uh, on Octo in early October? You've made a number of films in which you're one of the few people to actually have access to Hamas and um, uh, and other radical Palestinian groups, as you say, you've been into the neighborhoods. You wrote, uh, you did, a, you made a movie, Suicide Mo uh, Suicide Killers, another one, The Road to Janine. Were you surprised with what happened? You know, what happened this time happened already in Ujda, which is in Morocco in 19, uh, 1907. It happened also in Hebron in, 1920, in 1929. It happened in, uh, in, in Baghdad, what's called the Fakhoud, in uh, 1941. And uh, it's, it belongs to the idea of fighting. They, want to, they, they don't want only to fight, they also want to terrorize. The best way to terrorize the population is to kill the women and the children. So I was not surprised. I was surprised by one thing, though. I was surprised that Israel got caught off guard. That's something which struck me until today. How is it possible that Israel let that happen? Well, I, I have some explanations which are... Yeah. But but uh, until now, I mean, Israel has always been protecting its civilians in, at such a high level that this would happen at this very moment. Actually, it's the same surprise as what happened during the Kippur War in 1973, because Israel was also celebrating a major event, a major uh, festivity around, I mean, uh, one of the holidays of, the, of Judaism, which is Kippur, you know, the, uh, and uh, during which the whole country basically stops working. Everybody is at, at home. Uh, and, and this was also the case on this very day. It's called uh, uh, Yom HaTorah. Uh, and uh, and on, this very, on this very day, people just stopped working and they were in family. But also Hamas was very smart. I have to say I'm, I admire their evil mind in a way. I mean, at, at least their strategy. They let Israel believe for months that 
the, the danger was in the West Bank and in Gaza, finally, the only thing they wanted to do was to take care of the people and uh, build a kind of uh, society where people would have some benefits. And in exchange for that, Israel gave more and more work permits, work permits to Gazans and to cross the border and come to work into Israel. Interesting thing about it is that among the people who committed massacre, this massacre, were some uh, people were actually Palestinians from Gaza working in those kibbutz, and they gave all informations. Where is this? And where is that? And where is the clinic? And where is the and where is the the, the synagogue? And so they have all informations from people who had gotten permit to work within Israel. So yeah, the the, the strategy was absolutely perfect. And also, don't forget that Israel is a great democracy and such a democracy. But we had five elections within four years. And uh, the last election led to a kind of extreme government, to, to the point of view of some people. And uh, is, is it extreme in your mind, the Netanyahu government? Well, to, I, I'm not going to tell you to tell you for whom I'm I'm voting, but honestly, I, I didn't vote for Bibi for Bibi Netanyahu. Okay, so <laughs> it's as simple as that. And for a very simple reason, I want the country to be a hundred percent. Uh, not connected to any kind of religion. Religion is something personal, which shouldn't be, we shouldn't involve any government. And uh, unfortunately, to my point of view, this last government had too many religious people in, uh, at the highest level. So I was not a big fan of Bibi, but actually even people who like me are not a big fan of Bibi are behind him because the country has to be together. We just experienced the worst massacre that the Jewish people experienced since the Holocaust. So no matter what, no matter who you're talking to in the streets, no matter what side you're on, left, right, religious, not religious, extremists, not everybody is together in this. And I am with everybody in this, including with Bibi Netanyahu, because we must defeat Hamas. We must get rid of this snake, which is not only a snake trying to bite Israel, but their, their main goal is to invade the rest of the world. They really dream that, uh, you know, they, they have a say in the Palestinian territories. Well, when they say invade the rest of the world, what do you think they're going to come and invade New York? Well, look I mean, what, isn't that a, a little... Look what, they look can't what, even invade Israel, let alone the rest of the world. Let me, let me explain you, if you don't mind. Look at what is going on in American universities all around the United States. You think it's spontaneous? Those are sleeping cells. They have been organized for a long time. They know what was coming and they were ready. On, on October 7, there was a major pogrom in Israel and the next day, the people were parading in the streets of New York. On well, when you say, hold on, when you say, what does a sleeping cell mean? You mean they, they're, they're trying to invade America? Well, it's a long process. They have a say in the Palestinian territories and throughout, you know, a lot of, countries in which terrorists are, are like Iraq and Syria, etc., they have a say, which is first come Saturday, then come Sunday uh, in Arabic. And it means first we're going to get rid of the people who pray on, on, on Saturday, and then we're going to get rid of the people who pray on Sunday. First come Saturday, then come Sunday. It's a say, everybody says it, and this is something what a lot of people believe. Not everybody, not right. everybody. Yeah, yesterday we did a show with uh, Daniel Finkelstein's written a wonderful book of his family's experience in the Second World War. One side of the family escaped the Nazis, the other, the Star uh, Stalin. It's a remarkable story, miraculous story. And the way in which uh, his gr grandfather was a very influential researcher on the Nazis, and he suggested that the Nazis had, he's not alone in this, had two 
views of the Jews. On the one hand, they were worthless, pathetic, and deserved to be crushed and killed. And on the other hand, they were all powerful. It, it sounds to me as if you've got a similar view of the, the Palestinians. On the one hand, they're a bit of a ragtag army. On the other hand, you're talking about these sleeping cells in America, that they're ubiquitous and dangerous. Isn't there? Isn't that slightly absurd? Because, because you're using the word Palestinians. Palestine and Palestinian people. Well, whatever you call them, what word would you, you know, use? It's important. It's important. It's, it's something about history. The Palestinian people were invented in 1964 by the KGB, Yasser Arafat, and, 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 and Abdel, Abdel Nasser. Why? Because Abdel Nasser wanted uh, to dominate the entire Middle East and was not capable of doing it. He wanted Egypt to be the leader of all Arab countries and he'd been fighting for that and, and we didn't succeed. And at a certain point, it was approached by the Russians, by the Soviets, and they came up with this idea. You know, we have a problem. The Jews are in the region and all the left-wing people of the world are with the Jews except for us. So what are we going to do about it? And they decided since the Jews have now a country, they should be the new Nazis and they should be the ones who, who are... Who the decided this? The, who, who are these people? The Russians? The KGB. Yeah, the Russians, USSR. Yeah, it, it sounds a little bit like you're reversing the protocols of Zion. No, I'm not reversing anything. I know his story. I'm sorry you don't, and I do. I'm sorry to tell you, but this is my, my job, to know his story. I have hundreds of books about it, and I've been in a so, Palestinian... So you're saying that in the 1960s, the, the KGB invented the Palestinian, the Palestinian people. Until 1948, the Palestinian was a Jew. Whether you want to believe it or not, uh, until 1948, you would tell an Arab living in Jerusalem that it was that he was a Palestinian, he would be very offended, because for him, a Palestinian was a Jew. For him, he was an Arab or a Turk or a Moor. That's all. And all of a sudden, they decided that they were a people. So we are not like trying to fight a country with, with that ever existed. The, it, Palestine never existed as a country. It was the first nationalist, the first guy who came up with the idea of having a, a country not even called Palestine, but this was a region of Syria under you know uh, Ottoman uh, Ottoman occupation for centuries, and then liberated by the by, by the sorry by the British, and in. And uh, during the, the 20s, you had a guy whose name was Hajamin al-Husseini. Hajamin al-Husseini was a mufti, the great mufti of Jerusalem. And he was a very close friend of, of Himmler and of Adolf Hitler. Actually, he went to, uh, he went to Berlin and he, uh, he organized the Ustashi of, of Croatia that were Muslim working with the Nazis. And uh, his main goal was to exterminate all the Jews of the Middle East. He is the one behind the Fahud in 1941, and he's the one who also was a close friend of the founder of the Muslim of so the Muslim so, uh, uh, so, so, so it sounds to me like your denial of even the existence of a Palestinian people is creating the. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not denying their existence. I actually saying Palestinians. You know, at a certain point. At a certain point in history, people gather together and decide we're going to have a country, we're going to have a nation, we're going to call it this way. And I respect that. I've been, I have a lot of friends in Ramallah and in, and in Naplouz and, and in, in Hebron. That's how I can go and work there. And why they let me work there? Because I tell the truth. And because they know that a lot of media don't tell the truth. And as long as the media lie about what is going on in the Palestinian territories and in Israel, the Palestinian leaders who are making billions of dollars 
on on uh, on the on the help that they receive from humanitarian help that they receive from around the planet they steal most of the money you know how much money a, a guy like mahmoud abbas has you know that he just bought himself a 50 million dollars uh private jet you know that he has a house which costed 35 million dollars to build have you ever seen the amazing houses that are built in in, in the palestinian territories and uh, and also even in gaza i recommend you watch one of my film it's called terror racket and corruption in which i went there and yeah, it, it sounds like you're it sounds a sort of rather surreal reverse of traditional anti-Semitism. What about Jewish violence? No, um, I don't, I don't, I don't, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah, know you to call me. Yeah, to, uh, I'm yeah, just saying the proof to somebody who just doesn't know anything about what he's talking about. I'm sorry to tell you. You just don't know what you're talking about, and I do. That's a big difference. You never put us, you never put us, you never put a foot in the Palestinian territories. I've been there hundreds of times. And I have friends there that you don't have. You're just following the crowd with their propaganda, which has been financed by oil money for decades. You know what happened in 1973 after the Arabs tried to destroy Israel one more time? They tried in 48, they tried in 67, in 73 they tried again, and this time they decided it's not possible, it's not going to happen. So they got together, they said, well, we have oil, so what are we going to do? And they, they put a shot around the planet. If you have for Israel, the oil that we have or PEP is going to cost that much. If you're against Israel, it's going to cost much less. If you're uh, just, yeah, you know, having a relationship. Well, and this is how the KGB were behind this too. Let, let, let's just bring Yeah, the KGB was right. behind everything, my friend. The KGB was behind everything. Communists are behind the whole dramatic situation of the entire planet. I agree with you. KGB was behind it. As a, and you know, That's another anti-Semitic trope where people Pierre, I've given you a chance to speak. Let, let's talk about Jewish violence. As I said, the New York Times, which is, a, you know, I don't know what your opinion is, but a relatively, it does its best, sometimes rather painfully, to be fair, leads today with a story about extremist violence on the West Bank. Is Jewish yeah. violence on the West Bank, is it different from the violence of Hamas or the Palestinians? Well, first of all, I've never, I, I, first of all, I'm against any kind of violence against civilians, and I'm not on the side of the settlers who are doing that. Uh, I don't, I will not going to try to find them excuses. There are a lot of reasons why those things are happening. And it's not because it's, it's not like a spontaneous, uh, all of a sudden they go out in the street and decide to massacre Palestinians. A lot of, some bad things happened in the past and I'm totally against that. So, but to, to say that it's the same as Hamas, you're completely out of the line. Well, I didn't say that. I asked you the question. I was no, asking, is it how with... is it different then, the extremist well, violence on the West Bank from the Hamas well, violence? Well, you know, listen, these people are being, when they go home in the car, uh, the, the whole family with the children in the back, very often it happened that they are stoned by Palestinians, or it happened that they are machine gunned by the Palestinians. It happened many times. And all the time, they, are not, they don't have a voice around the world except for their violence. And in the meantime, everybody is trying to put Palestinian violence under the carpet. So I'm not on the side. I disagree with them. I would not, I would not, I, I, I'm very, oh, let me tell you the very big difference. When a terrorist, a Palestinian terrorist, goes inside Israel and kill, kill children and women. You know what is happening to him? He's receiving a salary from the Palestinian Authority. 
is receiving a salary, the more Jews is killed, the more money he receives if he's in jail. And if he was eliminated by Israel, his family will receive the money. It's 17% of the Palestinian budget. On the other hand, if a settler is going to kill or torture, or, I mean, torture never happened, is going to do something similar to what the Palestinians would do, he's going to be put in jail in Israel. That's a very difference. The difference between a barbaric organization run by gangsters, Palestinian Authority, and the democracy, Israel. You talked about these sleeping cells in the United States that were activated at the beginning of October after the, uh, yeah. the, the terrorist actions. Um, how how, how yeah, ubiquitous right. are they? I mean, how would you explain the, the huge uh, the huge controversies and divisions within American universities at the moment on this subject. Are you suggesting that 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 anyone who is in any way sympathetic to what you deny the Palestinian people, but the no the non-Jewish no, people again, I do not. I'm just telling you about history. Okay, well, whatever we want to call. What, no, what no, you, no, no, what no, no, it's a, no. You don't put in my in my in my in my mouth words. What word would you use for the non-Jewish people of the Gaza Strip? Sorry. What word would you use to describe the, the people of Gaza? Arabs, Turks, and and Moors, mostly Egyptians. Uh, okay, so you're in your language. Yeah. May I remind you that until 1967, uh, Gaza was uh, occupied. Yeah, we've done this one before. I, I take your point. So you, for you, there are Arabs, Moors, and Turks in yeah. Gaza. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure everyone yeah. would agree with that. And, and, and one day, and one day, we might have a country called Palestine if we behave the proper way. If you are trying to destroy Israel, which is what I've been trying to do for now 75 years, it won't happen. In 1948, partition plan, uh, Israel Jews said yes, Arabs said no. Uh, then the, uh, the, the, uh, okay, the, so I, I want to come on no, to you cannot put things the... outside of context. I'm sorry. If there is always a context, it's not only what you see in the news today that is important. Oh, um, back, coming back, I want to come back to the to your notion of these sleeping cells in the United States and the debates it's, within it's the university. Stephen Emerson among other people. You yeah. certainly know of him. And uh, so do sleeping cells, you know, uh, Iran, first of all, Iran is behind a lot of things and the Muslim, Muslim Brotherhood also are behind a lot of things. And they send a lot of money to universities and they, they buy, you know, they, 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 they use their money. This is how they do. You're talking, you know, you're talking of, again, Iran and the Muslim Brotherhood. In both cases, they are considered, uh, Iran is mostly financing terrorism around the world. They are, they are behind Hamas, they are behind the Houthis, they are behind Hezbollah, and you know what they do, and you know what they've been doing. So those people have, have used to have a lot of money. Uh, but and for the kids at uh, Columbia University or Harvard University or... Let me ask the question. Uh, Cornell. Why do you keep and go there, first of all? Are, are, they, are, they being fine? are you suggesting that these kids who are sympathetic to what's to, to, to the local people in Gaza, are they being financed by Iran or they, do they know they're being financed? It's, it's a network. You have, you have what Lenin used to call the useful idiots, and those kids are the useful idiots. Yeah, they are useful idiots. They don't even work on the other side, Pierre. You see them tearing posters of kidnapped babies, and you will accept okay, that. Okay, yeah, but it, it sounds like, as I said, you, it, what you're saying sounds so similar to what the other side's saying. So 
You've got. Let me ask you. You know, uh, you know that for you that there's money everywhere, and they're all financing these students who don't know what they're doing. What you call useful idiots. Whereas on the other side, they will claim that all the money is coming from international Judaism. Is yeah. there any truth to that? I mean, there is another side to this. You know how many Jews are on this planet? You tell me. 14 to 16 million. Well, so what? So what? So we, we own all the banks and all the networks. You know, we used to say that Adolf Hitler. So you're saying that that argument is simply not true? But... Absolutely not true. Come on. And, uh, you know, in, um, among Jews, you have George Soros, who is uh, among the people who, who hate Israel the most. So, and who is also spending... Why, his why money. does George Soros hate Israel? Yeah, of course. Are you kidding me? Uh, his, his organization is financing so many anti-Israel sub-organizations. The money is coming from there. What world and what world do you live, my friend? I don't know. Seriously. Um, finally, uh, Pierre, uh, how, how are we going to get? It? I mean, I mean, you 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 presented this almost as if these people are children, and if they can grow up, then they can have peace. But at the moment, they can't because they've been naughty. Yeah. Uh, yeah, how, how are we going to get out of this situation? Well, do you want to know my plan? First of all, I think uh, I think there was a not so stupid plan uh, when the Donald Trump was uh, president of the United States. The plan that he offered was not that bad because it was involving billions of dollars which would flow into Palestinian territories, but not being controlled by the corrupted gangsters who are running the Palestinian territories. And uh, as long as you have organizations who actually, who actually take care and care for the people, which is my also, my point of view, I care for the people. I don't care for the gangsters. I don't care for Ismail Haniyeh or I don't care for Khaled Mashal who live in, in Qatar and have stolen both of them together $5 billion from humanitarian help going into Gaza. You want to see where the people, where the money is? You want to know why people in Gaza are not so happy? Go to those guys. They live in Qatar and they are the leaders of the, leaders of the Hamas. Same thing with Mahmoud Abbas, stolen all of the money he could, put his hand on. Okay, so this is this is what is going on. So I'm not with those people, but I'm not against the Palestinians themselves. And I would like to find a solution for them to have a country. And it comes from the very simple acceptation that there is a country right there called Israel, where, where people actually would like to live in peace with them. And that will happen when they stop putting hatred messages in their school books, when they will stop calling for the killing of Jews in their mosques, and when the people will stop threatening the kids at home, saying the Jew is going to come and kill you if you don't eat your soap. This is a culture of hatred, and of, thankfully, there are among them people who started to revolt, especially among women. And I know them, and I've been there, and I've filmed them, and I recommend again for you to watch a film called uh, terror, racket, and corruption. I say it again, terror, racket, and corruption, because I don't talk in it, only Palestinians talk in it. And you will see, I promise, you will be surprised when you see the real Palestine that people like you, unfortunately, don't know because they well, didn't I, know. I, know. I, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm not claiming to know. I'm just asking you questions. What about yeah. the Israelis? Is there any need for them to change in any way? Or is it entirely, the ball is entirely in the you, 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 you're talking, you, you did acknowledge you the Palestinians, you, you used that word, but um, is it entirely in their court? Well, nobody's perfect. 
I'm not saying that Israel is a perfect country, but Israel is a democracy. And as such, it has five elections in four years. And uh, at a certain point, there was a left-wing government. Now there is a right-wing government. And maybe another time, there will be another left-wing government. It's not perfect. The United States are not perfect. And Great Britain is not perfect. No country is perfect. So do, 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 do we need to change things? Definitely should. Uh, but I would like to remind you one thing, one simple thing. When you hear the word occupation in the mouth of the Palestinian, you think he's talking about Ramallah or Gaza, by the way, there was not even one Jew in Gaza, but okay, it's occupied. I don't know by whom, by, by the, by the, by E.T., you know, by the aliens. But anyhow, so occupation in the mouth of the Palestinians, you believe them. And I would also, if I didn't know, if I was not there, if I didn't go there a billion times, but occupation in their mind is Tel Aviv. Occupation in their mind is Jerusalem. It's Eilat. It's Haifa. It's uh, Ashdod, where I live. This is what they call occupation. And in this occupation, 10 million Jews, 10 million people live, among them 2 million Arabs, Muslims, who have exactly the same rights as the Jews. So let's not talk about apartheid or all the bullshit that you can hear from uh, Amnesty International, the number one anti-Semitic organization in the world, and people like this. No, there is no apartheid in Israel. There is no, and I, I could put you in touch with a hundred Arabs who would, die instead of having a Palestinian government ruling their life. Here, Muslims, they have social security, free access to medicine, free access to school. And when I go to the pharmacy to buy medicine for my baby or for or anything for myself, who is taking care of it? An Arab. And I like him and he likes me and we talk and we chat and we laugh. Okay. And he's an Israeli as much as I am. And we actually, we talked about it uh, two or three days ago. And he was, he said, friend, listen, this is not us, okay? This is not us. And I believe him. It's not them. It's something else. It's called the Hamas. It's terrible. And we have to get rid of it. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to talk about this anymore, but you called Amnesty International a number one anti-Semitic organization in the world. Listen, they, they, they put... They put a, yeah, but is it a bigger it makes me laugh you read the report it's nothing but lies coming from the palestinian side <laughs> it's nothing you know yeah and also the yeah, yeah, but, but i mean but but there is an element in i mean maybe they're biased but I, it's hard to imagine them as the number one anti-semitic organization in the okay, world let me let me final question uh, pierre um sure. what happens if they don't they the people of gaza they, they what? The, the people of gaza if they if they don't listen to you and, and and chat with you when you go into their stores and wink at you and say oh we're all in this together oh, what happens then I have a store for you, which is in the heart of Gaza, by the way. This is a very popular store in the main street of Gaza City. You okay, see but, the, yeah, no, I, I understand, but let, yeah. let me finish my question. What happens if if they don't do what you say? Yeah, what do you mean they don't? Right now, <laughs> right now, we're getting rid of Hamas. And after that... I, yeah, I, you I, can't get rid of the sympathy for Hamas amongst civilians. Well, you. Uh, well, what happens if you don't do that? What I, I mean, if you get rid of the mass, there are other organizations. Some people fear even more extreme. It's hard to imagine. Listen, I guess more extreme. What, what the, happens if you don't change minds, Pierre? What happens then? 
What you don't understand is that. No, I'm asking you a simple question. Don't say people's minds. There is no such thing as a simple question and a simple answer in a complicated situation. I'm sorry to say, I cannot answer by yes or no. The, what I have to tell you is this: Palestinians in Gaza are terrorized by their own people that they put in power. Okay, they cannot. They don't have the right to talk. They don't have the right to. They don't even have access to medicine. The Hamas and other terror organizations are stealing everything they receive for their own profit. Okay, so the Palestinians in Gaza at this point, I believe, at a certain point, if they can get rid themselves of Hamas and replace Hamas with another organization, another government, which would be more you know, uh, human and uh, not a bunch of gangsters stealing and killing and torturing, I think a lot of Gazans would be happy of that. And at this point, you know, it's a little bit like Nazi Germany. You have to defeat the, you have to defeat the snake and then to free the people. The Germans of today have very little to do with the Nazi, with the, the growing I mean, you're, you're not answering my question. I ask you, what happens if they don't? We can't, there is no, no way we don't. It's impossible. You, you don't see what's happening? It's impossible. There is no question. They will have to. Right now, 